Pretty Mental is about accepting our full selves and inspiring others to do the same by being daringly unfiltered. This means completely normalizing all things mental health and the wild journey that has brought us here. We are challenging the stigmatization of normal human suffering, and we are done pretending and subscribing to the notion that it is taboo to have challenging mental health experiences. Welcome to the Pretty Mental Health Club, and enjoy the show. Hey, Valentina. Hey, Paula. And hello, everybody. And welcome to another episode of Pretty Mental. Before we get into introducing today's guests, we wanted to do a check-in with you guys. I know we have a lot of new community members, and we want to reintroduce ourselves so that you guys get a little more insight into who exactly you are listening to. I am Valentina Sinistera, half of Pretty Mental. I am here to talk about my journey to be radically transparent with you guys, to normalize being human, to share my spiritual journey, which has been kicking up <laughs> these past few months. If you've been tuning in, you see how wild my human journey has been. We are so happy that you guys are here. We love you with our whole souls and just thank you for journeying with us. Thank you for being part of this community. And I am a breathwork facilitator. I guide people in coming back into their bodies, releasing all of the energy, all the stagnant blocked energy that we've accumulated as humans over the years that no longer needs to be there. We are 100% capable of thriving in this lifetime sooner than we think. And it's my absolute passion to bring everyone back home to this belief in this being. So hopefully you guys will come breathe with me and experience this for yourselves. I, Valentina talked to me about, this is Paula. I, I think everyone knows that. Valentina talked to me about, <laughs> <Who's that boy? laughs> I don't know why I just did that. God. Valentina talked to me about breath work for a long time before I finally started giving it a try. And now I'm like the secondary cheerleader for this for this um, meditation practice. It's really, really potent. You know what? Even something that I'll say with breath work too, for those of you, if you get knocked off by the term meditation, I personally love meditation and actually breath work has made it deeper. But I do know there are a lot of people out there who maybe are triggered by when they hear meditation because maybe it hasn't quote unquote worked for them or it's not it hasn't done the healing that they've expected. And with breath work, I always tell my clients before they jump on too, is that one breath work session is like years of meditation. That was my experience. That's a lot of people's experience as well. And if you ever try it, you'll see the same thing. It's a very, mm, what's the term? Quick, <laughs> quick healing modality that it's not, you know, it doesn't heal you in one try, but it does a lot of work, a lot of work in a very short amount of time. What I'm experiencing, this turning into a mini breathwork podcast, but real quick, what I'm experiencing with it is that it's really for me, it's it's a practice of letting go in an embodied way. So it's like we can tell, I can I work with my clients all the time to practice letting go and surrendering the mind, but breathwork kind of takes you to the what that experience actually is in a very visceral manner. And that translates over to the day-to-day. So without expectations, without anything, it's a good practice to come out from like, okay, if, if nothing else, I'm going to come, I'm going to practice letting go. 
this is what I'm here to do. And after that beautiful intro, where do I even start? So I am Paula Sinistera. I am a licensed mental health counselor and a certified hypnotherapist. I work with a lot of mindfulness and exposure-based techniques to and hypnotherapy to uh, help people that are struggling with OCD, anxiety, and trauma. And I've been at this work, I've been clinically at this work now for three years, three and a half years, and, but I've been on this journey my whole life. It's a constantly evolving journey and I can't imagine myself doing anything else. I, I really, I feel like I'm 100% doing on this earth what I came here to do, feel very aligned with it. And I'm the other half of Pretty Mental. How beautiful is that, that we're both so in our purpose? Yeah. It's just not, yeah. I I feel so blessed. We should be very grateful. You know? Yeah, we so, should be. It's very so grateful. grateful. And that's why I feel like Pretty Mental is, uh, is part of that 1 million percent thousand bajillion percent so it's beautiful thank you guys for being here thank you thank you thank you we love you we love you close your eyes and feel that love pouring into the cells of your being because it's real and for today's guest we had the incredible amazing brenda from god is great jump in on the podcast with us to have an in-depth beautiful invigorating conversation on what is emotional abuse, how to recognize emotional abuse and what the lived experience of it actually can feel like. We unpack that in many different ways, as well as sexual consent and how so many of us have been in experiences that are could be considered kind of rapey that we don't even recognize because for so long, especially as women, I mean, men experience this too, but especially as women, we have lived in societies where we did not have ownership to our bodies. So we deep dove and and, and merged those two topics together. They go so well. And with that pretty mental family, take in a deep breath with us. And tune in. Before we dive into today's episode, we want to give a huge shout out to our amazing sponsor, Awaken Village Press, an indie publishing house that is here to awaken the planet one book at a time. You may have listened to our last episode with Amanda Johnson, who is the founder of Awaken Village Press. They work with first-time or new authors to help birth and amplify their messages into the world. You don't need to know how to write a book. You just have to show up because they have an entire team ready to help you along the way from writing to publishing to marketing your book. They are here to give life to your messages and here to give light to the new paradigm. We're going to link their info in the show notes as well as a link to their upcoming free three-day writer's essentials course where they're going to be covering the why, the what, and the how of writing your book. Again, this is totally free. So if you guys want to go, it's one hour of your time a day for three days starting on June 21st. You can sign up at the link below.
And now we want to give another huge shout out to our next sponsor, Conscious Conversion, previously known as Resonate with Sarah. Conscious Conversion is a holistic multimedia marketing agency for thought leaders of the new paradigm. We love them because their main mode of operating, which also filters out the clients they bring on, is making sure that the message is in alignment with your mission in the world and that your mission in this world is in alignment with where the plan is heading right now, that your mission is here to help awaken the planet and move evolution forward. Whatever your offering is, they use Google, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram ads to cut through the clutter of the internet and amplify your message on a massive scale. They also offer organic social media, copywriting, and so much more. We'll link their website in the show notes if you guys are interested in more information. We highly suggest you check them out if your ears perk up when you hear this. And now back to our episode. It is June 11th, 2021. We are opening ourselves up fully for whatever messages want to come through, calling in our higher selves to guide the conversation calling in our ancestors, the divine, the universe, all of the energies that support us and move us forward. We're opening ourselves up as open vessels for the healing of ourselves, our community, everyone they come in contact with, and for the healing of the planet. We open up our hearts to guide this conversation. The portal is now open. Brenda Brenda. (laughs) Marie Davies. Hello, girl. Hi. This is why I love you so much. I thought, you know how you can open portals on your, like, on their computer? Really? I thought you meant, like, a literal, yeah. (laughs) Not an actual, you're talking about a different portal. I was like, I'm opening up a real energetic, (laughs) spiritual portal. Our ancestors are about to open up a zipper. Yeah, it's like a website (laughs) slang or something. And I was like, oh, no, uh, another portal, a portal. (laughs) Portal, portal. Amazing. Yeah, so as we were starting to kind of chat before we press record, Valentina and I had a dream on the same night that we're just going to dive right into this. We both had a dream about rape on the same night. We both had a dream that we were raped. That we were raped. Specifically. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I randomly texted Paul and I was like, I had the craziest dream that I, it, it didn't show me the act of it in my dream, but it was the universe telling me that I was. And it was, it was crazy because I felt, I felt it. I felt the grief. So the universe was basically saying, you, it, it's time for you to know. And I was saying, no, 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 I'm not ready to carry this burden yet. Please don't tell me, please don't tell me. And they said, no, it's true. And right when the universe said that, it was like ripples of grief just through the stratosphere. And I crumbled into a million pieces. And it was just so palpable. I woke up that morning and I was like, oh my Jesus, like the heaviness. So I texted Paula and she was like, um, so did I. <laughs> Wow. It's crazy. And mine was, I I didn't, the act wasn't like shown to me either, but it was that I was pregnant. I was in a relationship with somebody and I was pregnant, but it turns out that the pregnancy was actually from a rape that a friend had raped me um, after we had been drinking. And so like, I didn't remember, there's all the dream, there's all dream. I didn't remember the actual act. But I was just like, oh, my God, like, please tell me like that did not happen. 
kind of like Valentina. And it was like, oh no, like that's his child. Like that was a rape, right? And then I tuned into your video that you did on on abortion and that um, abusive relationship that you were in. And you're in there, you're talking about how many women actually experience rapey situations and rape like we don't we almost don't even want to like put those words to it but non-consensual truly non-consensual situations that we don't realize are actual violations of our bodies Mm -hmm. yeah yes I've my body has been violated in so many ways. And I was telling Valentina recently to even the act, and I brought this up in my abortion video of my abusive ex tattooing my body. And I've talked to other ex-girlfriends of his, and he also tattooed their bodies as well. So there's there's so many different levels to it, but all of it comes down to separating a person from their Imago Dei, from their image of God, and and compartmentalizing them, using them, saying this body belongs to me and not this person, or I'm going to use this body for my pleasure or to assert my power. Because most of these acts of sexual violence are completely about power, more so than anything else. So yeah, there's a lot in there. And it wasn't until the advent of the Me Too movement that I could acknowledge that I had been sexually assaulted. And I just didn't feel like I was allowed to claim that because growing up, I remember I always thought rape was like getting drugged into a dark alley, getting like physically hurt and, you know, in a position of submission and then you were raped. And I remember my household was fueled by Oprah all the time. And she like facilitated so many beautiful spiritual conversations in her home. Or actually, no, she transitioned. She was doing a lot of like stranger danger and mental health and really inviting people to imagine the world in a different way than they had been programmed to believe. And then she eased into her spiritual awakenings and everything. I remember her saying, in recent interviews that she was looking at an audience talking about spirit in the 1990s, maybe. And she just saw a bunch of blank faces looking back at her. So she paused the show and said, does everyone here know what spirit is, what I'm talking about? And people didn't know. And she had to explain like the the spirit of a person, of a being. And I love that she relays that now because she's really expressing how far we've come. This is why I love the term woke because it's used as this annoying liberal catchphrase for a lot of people. But really, it's about you were sleeping on something and then you woke up. And I was sleeping to so many things. And one of those things I remember Oprah saying was like she had a panel or from my memory. I know our memory is so unreliable, but from what I remember as a kid or a a very early tween, she was talking to women and saying, did you know you could be raped on a date? And they were talking about date rape for the very first time. And everyone was like, what? Because for so long it had been like, well, you're in his car. Well, you're in his bed. Well, you're in his office, like wherever. Like if you put yourself in that situation, if you consented to going on a date and you were sexually assaulted, 
that's how my grandmother actually lost her virginity. And she ended up marrying her assaulter and he's my grandfather. And they ended up having three children together. And even now in our awakening that we have as a collective, we are realizing that, you know, that's also a trauma response, trying to make amends for something that happened, make it right, make it okay by being like, oh, now I'll be in a relationship. Many women end up in relationships with their abuser after they're abused. So I'm sure there's a lot there, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was all kind of encapsulated in the video that I made. Yeah, which was such a powerful video. You guys should tune into it. Um, we'll link it below. We can link it below at, at the at, with this podcast. But yeah, and even being able to like recognize what is abuse, you know, that's that's the other intention for this conversation is to help people even understand what is abuse. Because like you're saying before, it was kind of women for a long time have not had sovereignty over their own bodies. Nope. And so like if you're you're on a date or you're with a guy or you're with your boyfriend or your husband and he's pressuring you for sex and it's something that you don't want to do and they keep pressuring and pressuring and, and we almost end up believing like I owe this person sex or – it's I I I'm I don't want to be a tease I right like yeah. they really want it so let me just give them that but we don't realize like in it's to different degrees but those are different versions of sexual assault that we don't realize we're allowed to say no to you know yes. what though what really comes up for me in this conversation is I have personally been in situations with people that I was involved with in the very, very past when I was still building up my self-esteem and didn't know that I had the right to leave. I didn't, my confidence was really low. And I ended up saying yes to having sex because I felt like I had to. So it wasn't, I, that was like a, an assault on myself. I wouldn't necessarily in that, I mean, there's both situations where yes, you are being really, really pressured for it. And then the other one where it's like, we just don't believe that we are entitled to our nose. Our yeah. worth is completely wrapped up in saying yes and, and giving ourselves fully to them. And, you know, it wasn't until later into my sex life that I was like, what? No, you don't, you know, my worth is not tapped into. And we actually talked about this in the first podcast we had with you, Brenda, how growing up in a very Catholic society and culture, we were taught that we are valued by how much we can give our man and our man will love us by completely devoting ourselves to them. So that's something that just came up for me too in this conversation and how it's like, it's very much twofold. Yeah. Because yeah. when I say like assault in those kinds of more um, less obvious situations, we are kind of assaulting ourselves. I completely agree with that. Um, for a lack of like not knowing that we're allowed to say no and and guilt and it just, it becomes self-abandonment. You know, I, I think as women or people in this society, a lot of times we've been taught to abandon what we really want in that moment, w abandon our bodies, abandon our minds, abandon our hearts for the sake of keeping the peace. And sometimes in a relationship or in dating situations or even not, it's easier to, if someone is being really pressury, it's e it feels easier in the short one to just be like, okay, let, I'll just go with it with, yeah. without knowing that like, no, like at a deep spiritual 
level, it's so important that we really pause and say like, no, I don't, it's fine if this person wants to be uncomfortable, if they want to be upset, if whatever, they can sit with that. And I, I'm allowed to have power over my body. Yeah. Something distressing is when I learned that marital rape was criminalized by the Supreme Court in 1993. So you could legally rape your wife in many states in America until 1993. And all of the awakenings that we've we've been having collectively and all of the moments of upheaval about relearning all of these things that we were taught, it just makes so much sense that, of course, the trickle down from just being drugged into an alley and raped are all of these other cultural things that we were grown up and in the culture we believed we were supposed to be giving to men, submitting to them. It was our wifely duty. A man just wants sex. Like, he works all day. You owe it to him at the end of the day. So women are just for so long had been compartmentalizing themselves. And this was a huge awakening that I had in my own individual life where I realized that my sexuality was in one corner, my spirituality was in a different corner, my trauma was in the back of my head somewhere completely unaddressed and unrecognized because I couldn't recognize it when I'm just like steeped in all of these cultural beliefs that are wrong. You can't even see what happened to you until you learn these things. So I learned that the root word in the Bible for Satan means the divider. And I found that so stunning from my spiritual practice and the way I was raised because that means anytime you see division, Anytime you have a woman lying on a bed needing to go somewhere else, even if she is going to get groceries in her head, you are forcing a separation of body, spirit, and mind, and you're not having a fully integrated experience. And for me, I want all of us as a collective to work towards teaching all sexes, all genders, what it means to have a completely integrated holistic sexual experience because that doesn't mean you can't accommodate someone every once in a while you know you could be like oh i'm tired but fine i love him i'll do it that's not the same as using someone's cultural identity what they believe makes a good wife or a good christian or a good mother or whatever and weaponizing that belief into sexual submission which is what we've been doing in religious cultures and secular cultures, both forever and ever and ever. And it has caused men, like uh, my rapist, I follows me on LinkedIn. Like he just started following me one day and I was like, you don't even know you raped me, do you? And I really don't think he does because of all this conditioning, because he wasn't raised to see that if I am not fully embodied and if I'm giving signals, even if they're nonverbal, that I don't want to be there, that I don't want to be there. Like I, I'm totally over the excuse of she didn't say no. That's why when people started saying it's not a no, it's an enthusiastic yes, enthusiastic consent, even that shift, I was like, oh my God, thank God. Because at least men 
who are conditioned with all these blind spots of patriarchy and, and what they deserve and what's theirs, et cetera, will at least have that to help guide them. If she's laying there and she's accommodating you, that is not an enthusiastic yes. So check in and make sure she wants to be there or he wants to be there. It's so important. And that's still, that's still happening so much. Um, and particularly, I see that pattern in marriages where, you know, the whole like dead bedroom concept or men being frustrated because their wives aren't sleeping with them, but not taking the time to make sure that their wives feel emotionally safe with them. Yes. Mm -hmm. And really like investing in emotional intimacy, investing in appreciating that person, investing in listening to them, investing in connecting with them at a deeper level. Men and women are in different places in terms of like the spiritual evolution in general, not there's a lot of evolved men. I'm not saying that's the, but in general, I see more women gravitating towards these subjects and really like doing the work. It's more common. Like that's just yeah. the reality of and it. And the good men I see are listening. They're like being quiet and listening because they know that we, we're onto something. And it's, I mean, it's not really, it's not their fault. They were told I'll give you something to cry about. I was completely stunned when I read Peggy Ornstein's book, uh, Boys and Sex. It's one of the most sad books I've ever read in my life because it's about the social conditioning of boys with their sexuality. And one of the things is they studied male infants and found that they had more capacity or showed more emotional response than infant girls. So even that to me, I'll keep using the word, is satanic. When you take something that's fundamentally a part of someone and then you start squelching it and stopping it and you're like, no, that can't be a part of you. You got to get rid of that. You got to toughen up, grow some balls, like stopping a pussy. All of those are creating division inside of these boys that was never meant to be there. They were always supposed to be compassionate and sweet. They, they're no different than us. As a matter of fact, they show more capacity for emotional response than us. So without anyone cultivating that and, and giving a safe space for it, what were they supposed to do? And they can't even talk to each other about it. Like I've been in rooms with men crying over like a seven year breakup and all of his guy friends are like, okay, okay, dude, like have a beer. And I'd be sitting there like, oh my God, or just let him sit there and talk about his heart-wrenching breakup for five minutes and there was no space for that so a lot of spiritual women that are badass are making room for them and a lot of them are starting to creep in and listen and that's the hope that I have with myself because they need they need to learn how to stop hurting us yeah the whole pressuring women to have sex even if you're in a relationship has got to end and the thing is, women, in order to keep the, a lot of times they feel guilty because that's been the narrative. They feel guilty if like I'm not having sex with them on a regular basis and, and they want it. I'm like, I'm being a bad girlfriend or I'm being a bad wife or like I'm not keeping up my end of the bargain. In reality, it's like they're trying to skip ahead to have sex with with us without doing the work of connecting with our spirit. And so in order to appease the situation, in those contexts, women are abandoning themselves. Mm -hmm. I know. Yeah, you have to, or it feels like you have to. And also, I've had sex with a lot of men. I think I remember four guys that really ate me out well. <laughs> and maybe like 
three guys who are down to use like a clitoral stimulation sex toy and not be intimidated by it. I've had more situations where men were like, oh, you don't need that. Or we, I don't, I don't like going down on girls. I'm like, okay. And I wish, I mean, I wish I had been in a different place then. Cause I'd be like, cool. Your Uber is here. I didn't call it, but it'll be there soon. <laughs> and, um, but it's, it's also interesting too, because I just came out as bisexual and I was really, really, I am really, really intimidated because I feel like I'm going through a second puberty that everybody talks about where I didn't know I was allowed to have these desires or thoughts. So all of a sudden I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. Okay. How exciting. But I talked to, um, I actually hit on, um, a friend of mine and I, my presented it, like, I really want to be in a safe space and I, I don't want to be scared and I don't know what I'm doing. And, you know, could you help like teach me some things or whatever? And she politely turned me down cause we're too close, which was embarrassing, but perfectly fine. <laughs> and, um, but it was funny. I mean, it was beautiful cause it instigated more conversations in my life where I realized the reason I was so terrified and I'm kind of releasing that is because I grew up with cosmopolitan's 40 ways to please your man. And when you're a woman, you're supposed to like go in the bedroom and be like, I can suck a dick in seven ways and I can do this and I can make him come this fast and da, 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 da. And it's just like, goal oriented, you know, who has skills, whose body is tight? Are you doing your key goals? Like so much anxiety about like, what am I bringing to the table? And when I talk to lesbian girlfriends of mine, they're like, um, yeah, women are mothers, nurturers, sisters. Like when you're in a bedroom with them, they are looking you in the eye and they're like, how do I please you? What is your body like? Like, how can I explore your body? And again, it's like, it is men's fault, but also I don't think they've been given the space to really consider these things, like how the most connected, beautiful sex I've ever had, even if it was a one night stand, I had the most compelling, gorgeous sex in my whole life with a guy who was like on tour with a band. And the reason he stood out is because he was taking in my body. He was observing every reaction that I had. Now I'm getting turned on just thinking about him, but like he was just like, <laughs> He was present and embodied and he was observing my body and, and that I was just like, this is it. That's, that makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. And it makes sense that my lesbian friends are telling me that women in general just have more of that capacity because again, we've just been given permission to be fully embodied, aware, look each other in the eye and, and explore versus like, how fast can I make this person come? Sex is so, yes, it is very much about pleasure. But before we can even get to the pleasure, this is what they haven't taught us is there's got to be trust there. Because when we trust, that's when we send signals to our body that it's safe to relax. It's safe to remain in your body. You don't have to be in like a fight or flight situation looking out either way. You know, you can just settle in and simmer into the, the moment. And when that trust is established, we open up fully. We open up fully. And that's what a lot of, you know, I don't want to just say men, but humans, whatever, don't, may not necessarily know. Well, I don't think I've even had that. Like when you describe that, I'm like, I've had that more often in one-off situations, like when I'm traveling. And I think maybe it's because there's this like understood thing of like, I felt like they were like repressing less of their emotions and things because they knew I wasn't going like I was leaving. So it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to lead this person on. I feel like people always have these scripts and concerns instead of just being present and being like, how can we make this a beautiful experience together? And I've 
I've yet to have a relationship where I really felt that that safety that you're describing. Yeah. I mean, even just recently, somebody that I think is an awesome person, we went on a couple dates and it was like pressuring, like, can we kiss now? Can we kiss? You know, kind of like not asking like that, but just and there was a time in my life where I would have found that attractive. Really? Yeah. Like the machismo or something? Uh-huh. Yeah. Totally. Okay. Yeah, totally. I mean, sometimes a perv can be really fun, but they, <laughs> but, they, but they have to like read it on you first, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's different when it's yeah. like the trust is established and you're both yeah. fully present and showing up for each other. And then you can be kind of like, you know, yeah, like, you know, whatever. <laughs> but when it's when that's not there and it's just like, okay, when can I kiss you? It's like, hmm, that can be off-putting sometimes. Yeah. Right. Again, your Uber is here. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it, I feel like, you know, before when I was younger, it would have been like, my no means convince me, which is so fucked up. Right. Wow. Yeah. Um, that's, I mean, that's huge in the Latino culture. It's like, mm. no. It's like, okay, let me try harder. No. Okay. Let me show up at your doorstep. Like, you know, just creepy stuff. But oh, that's <laughs> right. That's what that is. But now it's like, the fact that I said that I'm saying no and like you can't hear it and that you mm-hmm. feel it's your job to convince me at this point in my evolution, I'm just like that. It, it's disrespectful. Like yeah. you're not meaning it to be disrespectful. You're coming from a different type of conditioning, but it truly is. Again, back to Queen Oprah. No is a complete sentence. I love that. Yeah. So, it, you know in this journey and more women speaking out and more men listening, the hope is that our no's are really heard and that we maybe start, we start transitioning out of that old model of like women are prey to be Mm -hmm. hunted. Like it's one thing to be courted, but for us to be able to say, no, I don't feel comfortable. And for that present, really present partner that Valentino is describing to be so tuned in and and really present that they're going to honor your boundaries. Yeah. In my memoir on her knees, I wrote a portion about submission should be reserved for its only true place, which is in kink. Submission is for kink only. It's not for relationship. It's not for lovemaking. It's it's supposed, you know, that's the only context in which that would ever be appropriate. But our culture has it completely the opposite. And it's really interesting you're talking about how it sounds like you received all of those scripts about like machismo and how a man would come on to you and that romanticizing yeah. that and yeah. then realizing as you like evolve and awaken that it's not really romantic at all to be harassed into submission is what it essentially winds up being. And if any men are listening, like, oh my God, I encourage you to hear us out and have fully embodied sexual experiences because all it's going to lead to is way more orgasms for everyone involved way more love and appreciation and respect. Like it's only positive from here. Whereas the other way, the disembodied way just leads to so much chaos and so much pain. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Well, and I want to shift gears real quick. It all kind of goes together, but to talk about emotional abuse. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Well, this this is one that we've been wanting to bring on the podcast for a while, this conversation, because you can have an open heart, you can be practicing your spirituality, you can have the best intentions for your relationships, you can be working out and drinking green juices, 
you can be doing all that stuff. But if you can't recognize emotional abuse, which is a pretty insidious process, it'll tear you down from the inside out and you won't know what's happening. Mm. Perfectly articulated. And I always say that too, that it's insidious. You don't just go on a date and someone slaps you across the face. And also so many abusers and you see it now more. I'm so grateful that Evan Rachel Wood came out about Marilyn Manson abusing her allegedly that FKA and other women, my friend Carolyn came out about, um, I always forgot how to say his name, Shia LaBeouf. Um, yeah, but it's like, it's, it's heartbreaking, but it's also, I don't know the right word to use for it because it is just heartbreaking, but it's also so substantial to see women who from the bird's eye view, you just look at them and objectively you're like, wow, a woman fully embodied in her own skin. Look at her art. Like FKA is making some of the most like bold, daring, strange art. She clearly doesn't care about fitting into societal's norms and She's someone that I have felt so drawn to and in love with her art and everything that she does. And I hate to say I was comforted by it, but I was because so much of my script that was running through my head was like humiliation. How weak do I have to be? How stupid was I? How embarrassing was I to let myself stoop to this level? That was this the script going through my head. And with these badass women coming out, it's beautiful to hear them speak about it. I would love for anyone to go watch like Gail King's interview with FKA. And she articulates everything so beautifully and she just talks about how you can have the house, you can be fully in your power, in your career. But if someone is there and they've, it's like grows inside of you like a weed, it's like somehow it gets implanted inside of you and it just starts poisoning so many different aspects of your life. So for me, I was found at a very vulnerable place in my journey. So I think one of the first red flags that I would love for people to observe when they're getting into a new relationship is at what point in my life did this person find me and are they working to elevate me? Are they observing the healing that I need or are they finding ways to put salt in those wounds and reiterate these negative beliefs that I have about myself? When I met my abuser, I was just coming out of a relationship with one of his friends. And <laughs> that's one of my sexual patterns that I know is wrong, but it kind of, <laughs> I would like, I would get dumped or really betrayed by a guy and I would just have sex with one of his friends for better or worse. That was like my coping mechanism. So this is one of those situations where I did that, but I was in so much darkness and chaos and sadness. I'd never been in love before. I was already like in my late twenties. So that's another thing. Like you're never too old or too mature to get trapped in a situation like this. It was more for me about my my vulnerability and where I was at and like not really eating well. Every time I have a heartbreak or a tragedy, I can't eat. I get really skinny. So that's where this guy found me. And also a lot of like drinking together and you know, smoking way too much weed or being out way too late, not getting enough sleep. Like, please, anyone observe 
the physical behaviors of the person you're with. And it goes in the opposite direction too. I know someone whose abusive boyfriend was forcing her to stand on a scale every day and work out. So, you know, what you perceive to be quote health, check in and make sure it's actually healthy because you can also be abused in a physical way um, under the ruse or guise of this person trying to help you. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of the way I see foundationally things begin for a lot of people. Yeah. And then from there, it's just slow, slow, slow. A lot of moments I look back on and it would just be like, oh, I didn't know your friend's birthday was tonight. We were supposed to hang out tonight. And then that starts happening more and more frequently. And then he starts adding layers to what it means for me to have done that. Like, see, you're always so flaky. You always forget. This is who you are. If someone says you're always away or you sh- you're you like this or whatever, if they're taking behaviors and then putting identifiers on it that are negative to make you even less in your power, try to observe that because then it became like, whatever, you're forgetful, you're flaky, you're ditzy, you're dumb, like you didn't know, whatever. And then before I know it, he is really pulling more and more friends away from me. That's another thing to please observe when your friends and family are starting to leave your circle and not on their own volition. Some of them will have to because for people's own mental health, they may have to back out and back away because when you're in a cycle of being abused, it's really hard to be a part of that. And I know I wasn't receptive. You could have told me a million times that I was in a bad situation and I wasn't able to hear it. And um, I would say like, and I don't even remember, I blacked out so many parts of it, but I think I was in that situation for three years. So at the end of the three years, I have like two friends that I rarely see. Whenever I'm on my phone, he's kind of looking at me like, can you hurry up? Like, I don't, I hate hearing people on the phone. Every little excuse to get you away from people. If your partner or boyfriend, girlfriend is suddenly hating on your best advocates, your best friends who have your back, the people that really are your support system. If they start talking trash about your mom who you talk to every day, observe it because their whole angle, and I'm not going to pathologize why they are the way they are. Like I hardly even care anymore because it's so exhausting to me, but like just observe when they're mindfully getting rid of threats to them, to their narrative, because they'll be feeding you a narrative, which is that it's you and them against the world. Anyone that has a problem with your abuser is the enemy and they'll start talking trash about that person. And again, these people are like skilled with manipulation. So it takes some like talent and some, I don't even know where they get the skill set. <laughs> Education. education. Yeah. Yeah, And sometimes if they're in therapy, they'll be even more like skilled and expert at doing the abusive things that they do. And um, I'm trying to think of the last thing that I was going to say. Yeah, it was just it wasn't as overt as like, I don't want you talking to your mom anymore. Or your your friend Haven's annoying. Don't talk to her anymore. It would just be more like, isn't it weird that she said that to you? Like, do you really think she has your back? do you have to talk to your mom like all the time? Like we're hanging out, like just little things. And when you're standing there alone and it's you and that person against the world, 
then you really can't see anything. Then you're just in the fog and they've already laid the groundwork of like, you're ditzy, you're slutty, you don't do anything right, you don't clean right, you don't act right, you don't talk right, you talk too loud, you're not really that funny, like all of these things. And then you're just stuck there in this fog with them with really no way out until you hit rock bottom often, which is what happened to me. All those things. And then on top of that, it's also you and you need me. Oh, yeah. You need them. Like I've got got your back. Like you're all those things, but don't worry. Like you've got me. And that's the thing too. Grand gestures. It's like they'll be horrible at the day to day at absolutely everything, but – if your car breaks down, oh my God, they're there in five seconds. They've got a spirit because then you can always feed yourself and satiate yourself with those things. Like, he can't be that bad. Like, look how he came through for me and XYZ. And also, too, sexuality and like trying to own your body and your sexual being. So, beyond just standard jealousy, which frankly, I'm not going to tolerate in a partner anymore either. (laughs) I mean, it's okay if it like comes up as an emotion, but as, as far as like a character trait, like I'm a jealous person. No, because you know, with my abuser, it was like, I was remembering, um, I was having a debate with one of my friends about Marilyn Manson and whether or not he was abusive because so many of us were fans of his, like his art and the way he subverted Christian culture was really important to me. And I thought it was really badass. So that was one of those devastating moments where I was like, Oh no, come on. Like, don't be a shitty dude. Like I have had your back for so long, man. So I was talking to my friend and, and we ended up coming to the conclusion, which is all alleged, all opinion. But I was like, you know, the red flags for me, one of them was that Evan Rachel Wood and him had sex in a music video. And at the time, I remember looking at it and being like, whoa, she's really just like letting it all go. And she's just in with her sexuality. But un- with the lens of knowing that she has accused him of being abusive, I started having flashbacks of my abuser. He would like take a naked photo of me and put it on Instagram for like 10 minutes and then be like, oh shit, I accidentally put that on Instagram. And now I look back and I was like, that was his way of being like, I own this person. This person is mine. And that is also a level of sexual abuse to expose my naked body to people in that way. So that's my theory on and Manson having sex with Evan in that video too. And like these are all more red flags, I guess, that I had observed in my relationship and then that I've seen in other people's. Sexuality will be a huge part of the abuse. Also, lo- love bombing. Yeah. So like if you, when you first meet somebody, they are, and here's the thing, and I, in the work that I do, I encounter so many different variations of this. Something that I, I I like to put out there is that everything exists on a spectrum. That there are the the people that are blatantly emotionally abusive and like they are abusers, right? But before we get to that, a large portion of the population uses emotional abuse tactics with each other, and so it's important to recognize, like to different extents, right? You're going to have different partners, but it's just important to recognize what these patterns are and not be scared to call it for what it is. Because I, I know that like I have a lot of clients, for example, that if I throw out the word emotional abuse, people are like, what? No, like my partner's not an abuser. It's like, no, 
He's not, he may not be a full on abuser, but he's using emotional abusive tactics. I was just going to say, I, when I was finally at the end, end, end of my road, um, one of my best friends, Emily was on the phone with me and she was like, will you please just do me a favor and Google the emotional abuse checklist? And I feel that she'd asked me before, but this was finally a time where I was ready to see it. And there was like 48 points on there and I clicked yes to all 48. And I did not like, so that's the thing about the insidiousness too. It's like, you do have to catch people when they're on the first three because it doesn't mean it's a lost cause. Like we all come from damage. You could have observed really terrible behaviors with your upbringing, with your parents, with your own lack of spiritual or emotional growth. So it's not that it's hopeless. Like I would never want to categorize someone as like, that's an abuser and it's a hopeless situation. But if they're not ready to like acknowledge it and look at it, and if you aren't able to recognize it, you could turn around one day and find yourself saying yes to the whole list. Yeah. And I think as well, just looking at it from the micro level, you know, on the spectrum, how there are these little acts that your partner can do. Cause not, you're not going to just recognize everyone. Like this is an emotionally abusive person and it's time to get out of this relationship. I think a lot of us really also need to be taught to just pay attention to how we feel in our body when we're around that person and what mm. we energetically feel when they do certain things. You know, I can personally say that I've been in relationships where, you know, I've been told just consistently, um, the way that you, the way that you walk, the way or you're like a messy person, you're this, you're that, you're this. And it didn't feel good, but it's not like I was that tuned into my body at that time to know that it didn't feel good. I just was like, fuck, why am I such a messy person? Damn, why can't I walk like a regular person? Man, why can't I just be this, this, this until I finally found myself in a relationship being the most dampened version of myself without even realizing it. So it's like these people are just as everyone is just going through their own journey, they're going through their own evolution and they may be at a level where they're not in touch with themselves. They have a level of trauma that they haven't solved within themselves. And so what spews out of them and their relationships with other people is these emotionally abusive actions. And yes, they need to heal from that. But I think also we need to empower ourselves to set up some really strong boundaries for how we feel in these relationships and really making a pact to ourselves to not abandon ourselves in any moment. And it is never okay for anyone to make you feel like you are broken in any kind of way and really pay attention to those micro moments and the labels that people put on you when you're in relationship with them. Are they making you feel like an expansive, beautiful, growing person? Are they laughing with you when you're messy? Are they laughing with you when you're when you're, you know, whatever, or are they finding that a moment in your messiness to really look at you in the eye and letting you know, wow, you're really a messy person in a way that is not beautiful and growing. It's diminishing. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's, it, it escalates over time. Obviously the more that these strategies happen and the, our inability to recognize it, we it starts tearing away at your sense of self little by little. Uh, when somebody's putting labels on you, when someone is telling you that your version of reality didn't, like you didn't hear it correctly, you didn't see it correctly, right? It, it, these things tear away at your sense of self 
and your trust and your intuition and your trust and your perspective over time, little by little by little till they have all the power. So I think that it is really important for people to just be aware of what different emotional abusive tactics are or techniques are that, I mean, the abusive people that are using abusive strategies in their relationships, they may not, they're not thinking of themselves. Some might be like if they're at the whole full 48 level point. Some really don't know though. I mean, Paula, even in our, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it just brings up like, I just, you really may not know in our relationship with me and Paula, sisters who love each other, there's been moments where to each other, we're like, you are literally gaslighting me right now you know, mm -hmm. and people just don't know. So we, it's like, how can we train our, ourselves to not even look for something in someone else, but to really trust the sensations in our own energetic body and how we react to someone, you know, because we naturally, joy is our natural state. Love is our natural state. We're not, unless, I mean, that's really, you know, unless we grew up in a very traumatic home, we're not going to know, but how can we really tune into ourselves and stop putting ourselves in our back pocket and really abandoning ourselves in every moment. So, you know, it's twofold. I was just going to say, you're, you're both reminding me of like, in retrospect, I can look back and see beacons of light because God takes care of you. Whatever word you want to give to that, like, let's say love, love takes care of you. Spirit takes care of you. And so there was always like beacons that I saw later. And one of them was we were at the lightning in a bottle music festival and I was having one of the worst times of my entire life because he was constantly just hovering over me. And if any man was attracted to me, he had something to say about it. And it it was it was got it had gotten to the point of like what I was wearing and what I could and couldn't wear. And it, and again, it still wasn't as overt. It would just be more like, "Do you really feel comfortable wearing that?" Like are you comfortable in that? That, you know, or that looks crazy. Mm -hmm. Like you should change yeah. if I looked sexy. Yeah. So we were at this festival and there was this gorgeous girl named Erin and she just was such a little magical fairy and she had bright blonde hair and huge blue eyes. And she was wearing this tiny sparkly bikini and these huge thigh high boots with tall heels. And she was hula hooping coming in our direction, like chewing bubble gum. She was just like, in herself, completely unrepressed herself. And we talked to her for a moment and I just remember feeling so dead in every single way. And I was looking at her and I was like, oh, like the, why does she get to be this person, you know? And he, when she walked away, he goes, oh my God, she's so hot. And I lost it on him because I was starting to crawl out of the relationship and I started crying. I just burst into tears and I was like, I used to be her. When I met you, that was me. And you're, you've stolen everything from me. You don't let me be any of those things. How can you say she's hot? Like, that's so unfair. But that wasn't a message for him. Like, as much as I want to have compassion for people that are in these dark places, Make them your siblings. I'm sorry. I don't care. Categorize them where they belong. They're your siblings. They're the people you check in occasionally. You make sure they're okay. Don't align your body, your spirit, your life, your dreams, your destiny, your soul with that person because they will drag you down with them. It's absolutely true because they can't handle it. My whole mission in my relationship with this person was to lift him out of his darkness. I thought I was strong enough to do it. 
it has nothing to do with strength. It's just he was more insidious with his darkness than I was insidious with my light. And it's it's too fierce of a battle to try to win. Just partner with people that are light, that are going to love you, that see that woman and are like, she's hot and I'm going to preserve everything that is this. And I'm going to make sure that she shines even brighter. Like if I saw her in my dead-eyed state a year later, it would just be a symbol that she had aligned with someone that brought her to that place because that's what happened to me. Yeah. That's yes. That's beautiful. So well said. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that's what that is. But yeah, I mean, as Valentino was saying that like, it's not the it's not always that somebody is just either an abuser or they're not like as we move throughout our lives in relationships and friendships and family, like there's aspects of emotional abuse happening. But if we don't know that these things are there, we have no tools for either saying, oh, no, 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 completely unacceptable. Like, that's not what we're doing here. Mm -hmm. um, we just it, it can it starts messing with your mind. So there's ways in which a lot of us without knowing kind of emotionally abuse each other, you know, like there's a lot of traumas that we're we've all inherited. And so I think it's really important for people to be aware of like what some of these basic things are. And I'm going to list a few of them, like literally yeah, a list. <laughs> I'm the victim. You're the, the expert. <laughs> you're as much of an expert at, at this point as me. But um, using guilt to get you to, to align with their decisions, using mm -hmm. guilt to push on your boundaries, shaming you. Shaming you into silence is a really common phrase, which is like you bring something up that you didn't like. Oh, you're so sensitive. Oh, you always make something out of nothing, right? They're shaming you into silence. If somebody responds to you in that way, that's something to look out to because a healthy, balanced relationship that's really in it for the connection will listen and say, okay, like if that bothered you, I may not agree, but I definitely want to hear where you're coming from. Name calling. The moment that you hear that somebody is name calling you, that, I mean, it's just blatant. Like, there's no reason for anybody to be putting labels on you of like, you know, you're stupid or you walk wrong or whatever it is. There's a million different name calling and labeling somebody, objectifying a human being to a label is never okay. Controlling, which is some of what you were describing, Brenda, which is, you know, I'm, I need to hover over you when we're in different social situations. I'm going to slowly separate you from your family. I'm, I decide what's okay. I decide what's not okay. I decide how you can't show up, how you can't show up. Like if you constantly feel like you're walking on eggshells, that's usually a sign. Aggressive verbal escalation. So like somebody may not be hitting you, but if they are screaming at you, Especially when we're talking about like male female dynamics, when there is a big man that is stronger than you yelling at you, that's actually really quite, a, that's an assault that it's a, it, it's an assault, you start to get scared, you start to get scared of standing up to that person. Um, even if it's not a big man, but somebody that just uses always uses very loud verbal escalation, it starts to scare you. Like they may mm -hmm. not be punching you, but they're emotionally energetically Dominating. attacking you right so yeah. like you start to get scared of, of of even doing anything that could upset them and and you start making yourself smaller intermittent reinforcement is really important so that's something to mm. really think about 
usually so toxic relationships have unhealthy relationships there's a lot of intermittent reinforcement which makes it a very addictive type of dynamic which is another reason that it's so hard for people to get out of these relationships and so intermittent reinforcement is basically a pattern in which somebody gives you and they take away and they give you and they take away and they treat you like shit but then they go and they fix your car and they you know, abandon you one day and then show up with like a grand gesture of love the next day. So you never know when you're going to get the love or when you're going to get the abandonment. So then when you get the love, it feels like a high because you, they, they put you into this cycle of like giving and taking and giving and taking. And before you know it, you start getting dependent on those moments when it's being given because it's like, oh, okay, if I show up in just this right way, I do receive the love that I'm yearning for. The love that usually that person showed me in the very beginning of the relationship. So I know it's there. And so we can spend the rest of the time in that relationship looking for that love again. And if that's being reinforced intermittently, it becomes very addictive. Also too, like, I mean, maybe I was addictive. I don't remember being addictive to that, but it was more like, I felt like those were the moments where he'd give me something that I could tell my friends, you know, like he's not bad because da, 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 da. Like if I had my pocket of these little kernels of corn, he threw at me every once in a while, it would be enough to store up to let people help me justify my being in this relationship. Yeah. I mean, either justifying it to ourselves or to other people, it's kind of like, that's what happens. Yeah. You end up hold, people end up holding on to like, no, but there's good moments. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know he, I know he yelled at me. I know he's belittling me. I know that all this, but but there are good moments. And like, I know. How about as a rule, we just all decide that you are never with someone where you have to be like, but he's really good to me when we're alone. Set that man free to go on his healing journey, like. Part of my friends would fuck that. Like, no, no. Yeah. Show up like as, and and that's also compartmentalization too. Like if this person is not good to you in the real world among other people, then he's not good to you at home. Like you can't be compartmentalized. You can't be good or solid in only one area. It doesn't even make any sense. The person is showing you who they are at, in the worst of those moments and you have to believe those moments you have to believe those are happening to you yeah and it's so hard because then the moment that you put down a boundary people with these patterns that aren't trying to break the patterns right are will either get mad at you for that or go into victim mode oh god victim i forgot about the victim mode right and grovel and grovel and beg (laughs) to get you back in and then yeah. you get back then they'll, they'll talk about like childhood traumas from the past like oh but this happened to me and then i i as a compassionate person would always use that to justify his behavior too but you don't know what happened to him like he's like this because of da 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 but he had enough skill sets of like therapy and buzzwords to like provide me with that which ends up just being an excuse like everyone has childhood trauma everyone has trauma it's not an excuse to be an abusive person i think also let's just all right now promise to really listen to the people in our lives that we love and we trust because i personally have been in situations mm-hmm. where i had my very best friend in the whole world and i had my sister both being like mm, that's not really that normal and me being like 
mm, no, I don't know. But, and they're like, no, it's not that normal <laughs> until now in retrospect, looking back, I'm like, what in the fuck? How did I ever think that was normal? That's crazy. But in that moment, we're such lovers, such supporters, and also our own abandonment issues that we're just wanting to make so many excuses that we literally trick ourselves to make ourselves comfortable enough to stay. <laughs> yeah, we need mm. it's crazy. We need to have a we need to have this list <laughs> printed out. <laughs> we need to have a weekly so check-in. A weekly check-in. Um my new standard on it, like I have uh my best friend Camille has hated everyone I've dated and you know what, rightfully so, looking at my track record. And um but I my fantasy slash goal is for her to come to my wedding and her be like, <laughs> yes, you did what? Well. Like, this, love is, this is right. Her. <laughs> because if she says it's right, but it's true, like how often we decide to trust this person, you also have to remember like all of the endorphins and everything that you're releasing with your, your sexual chemistry, like that can really F you up and make you have huge blind spots that objectively your friends are going to see differently. And you can have friends that are just haters of everybody. And that's fine. Like my friend Camille is also one of those people. Like if I met a good guy, I'd probably still have to like prove it for a while. But like the point is it could be proven to her because her eyes are focused and set on like, who is going to uplift you? Who is a good person? When I see it, I'll know it. And that's it. I trust her. And you're totally right, Valentina. Like choose the people where you're like, I know you have my back. I know you have no ulterior motives. Who's more likely to have the ulterior motive in this situation? Your boyfriend who makes you feel really weird and disembodied and gives you stomach aches because you're stressed and you have to call him at a specific time or he'll freak out or your friend who's just objectively like, hey, this is weird. Well, I also <laughs> you know? want to add in there that during these moments when I was, you know, talking to my friend or talking to Paula, I would also, when they would tell me these things are not normal, I would immediately blame it on myself. I'm like, maybe I'm just not being like, I don't know, like not strong enough. Maybe I could have communicated better. Maybe, maybe, maybe. And like, maybe that's true. But if these things are consistently happening, uh, you're maybe it's that your confidence level is really low because you're staying in this relationship. And once you'll get, you get out, you see how fucking whole you are <laughs> and you're not as weak yeah. as you think you are. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah. And embodiment though is something I had never had. I, I've only been practicing embodiment for the past three years. So checking in with your body, uh, Paul, like, Paired with this list they're giving us, Paula, is like, yes, these two things in conjunction, I think would help your like intellect, your spirit and your body all like align to figure out the situation you're in for real, you know, spiritual yes. warriors of light looking for <laughs> other spiritual warriors of light. We have a checklist, body practices, like mm -hmm. come, come at us. <laughs> so many of our issues, I believe, can really be solved when we come back into our bodies. Our bodies are just mm -hmm. our guides in this lifetime. I think that that is this, in, in this, you know, stage of evolution that we're in as human species, it's to get back into our bodies in order to get to the next evolution. Because until we do that, we're going to be living in a us versus them society with ourselves, with everyone around us. And you can't build from there. You can't build yourself from there. You can't build your community from there. I would mm -hmm. say, I would say body mixed with some intellect though. Cause like knowing, having a list like that, 
And you can like cross reference between the body and the education, right? Or even like knowing well, a- the brain is a part of the body, right? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, yeah. there's layers to that, but I'm just speaking from like my stance on on the body. Like, can we get everyone to come back into our bodies? Yeah. Well, no, I mean, it's super important. Super important. Well, this is why you two are perfect together as a team <laughs> because you're both speaking the truth. <laughs> it's different. They're, they're both parts are absolutely necessary in my opinion, for the healing process, because we have to be able to like surrender the mind, but then also like, can we use the mind as a tool also for guiding us? And if there's education, like, for example, for me, like learning about something called Darvo has switched, switched up so much of the game of interpersonal communication and just being able to teach that to my clients, which I don't know, Brenda, if you're familiar with that, it's, it's a type of communication strategy that is very common actually in emotional abusive dynamics, whether they're done at the interpersonal level or at the large political level. And it basically stands for defend, attack, reverse victim, offender. So when someone comes up to you and, or when you go up to somebody and you tell them, Hey, I didn't like that you did that. If their first response is, well, you know, you always say this, they immediately get defensive and then they attack. Like you're the one that always has a problem with something, right? Well, I would do the I do those two things if I'm being honest. We yeah, we all have to check ourselves. I'm telling you, we all have to check ourselves. There were moments when me and Paula literally were like, "What in the world?" This is when you realize everyone just humble yourself down because we've all been involved in these situations. We're like teaching about Darvo, Mm -hmm. and it's like we are Darvoing each other right now. Oh my god, when Paula and I started (laughs) that when that podcast came out, there was a while of few days and weeks after that where we're like that's darvo darvo darvo. <laughs> darvo jesus christ this fucking okay wait go through thing. the rest so i know that i'm not all of them Let's well that's why i say that's I why i always like to introduce <laughs> emotional abuse and stuff as a spectrum because it's like yeah there's people that are all 48 and it's like ooh, stay away from that you know but in the meantime we all need to be checking ourselves but yeah so defend attack Reverse Meaning. victim offender. <laughs> <laughs> like, so that means the moment Podcast that you're attacking, the moment that you're attacking, that you defending, and then you're attacking the person. Before you know it, that person or you, depending on what role you're in, you're apologizing for even bringing up the issue. You know, it's like mm. you know what, like I'm sorry, I I shouldn't. And then your mind fucked because it's like, wait, I came up to this person to say something that I didn't like. Why did I just walk away apologizing? right (laughs) like how did they become the victim what just happened here and so that's called darvo it's interesting because i realize like in in defense of myself that sounds exactly like my fighting style but i will say that you can calm me down from that level and be like excuse you (laughs) i'm trying to talk to you and then i'll be like okay i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm receiving what you're saying like i'm i'm gonna sit down and listen i think i just immediately have the defense of not wanting to be in the wrong. Yeah. And so like, that's also a lot of it too, is that a lot, we end up doing toxic things <laughs> because mm-hmm. from a place of fear, like it takes a, a lot of healing and personal work to like really not have toxic aspects to, to yourself. <laughs> We're all a little toxic, right? Well, I also love, I mean, I wonder if you'd agree with this, but I, I love the notion of like, you can have two to three bad thoughts or behaviors i mean minor behaviors but like you can have three bad thoughts before you get to the right one because you do have all these layers of defense and ego and everything so like if my first thought is like 
don't come at me with that. That can't be right. No, you're wrong. Look what you're doing wrong. And then my third thought is, okay, wait, I'm actually going to settle down and I want to listen to you. I think we can all kind of give each other that grace because you do have to look at your flaws to be able to supersede and and do better than that. And it does, it's a journey. Or even I was kind of laughing because I had my ex-husband and I are on good terms now, like everything's fine. It's ancient history. But I used to lie immediately. Like he'd be like, did you do this? And I'd be like, no. <laughs> and and then it would take like a whole night. And then I'd come to him like hours later and be like, yeah, I did that. I don't know why I said that. And But he always held it against me. He was like, then the, the conversation would be like, why did you lie? And it's like, it's actually not that hard to figure out. I lied because I was scared. I didn't want to own up to what I did. Can we move past that that hurt that you're feeling that I lied and just acknowledge like, I'm sorry it took me 12 hours to tell you the truth, but here I am with the truth. And I like to think and I hope over my course of my relationship history that I've narrowed that time frame to down to maybe like a couple seconds or a minute instead of a whole 12 hours of lying. <laughs> yeah, well, it takes being willing to, we have to ha- have the capacity to sit in our own discomfort a little bit because obviously when somebody comes up to us and says like, I didn't like that you did that, that's it's uncomfortable. Right. And if we come from childhoods where like if we did something wrong, you get punished right away or whatever, then it's like, by all means, I must not let the truth come out that I did something wrong. It is a lie. <laughs> you speak of as a lie. It's like Valentina used to go, right? Well, Valentina used to go and like buy candy at the vending oh. at the at the pool. <laughs> Yo, I used to she buy like, a family whole worth budget. of candy. And then at I would the- come back with all this stuff in my hands. And then they would be like, Did you just buy that with like our money? I'd be like, uh uh-uh, no. No. Yeah. <laughs> or she would say, or about. she would say, I accidentally did got that. Oh yeah. That was her thing. I accidentally screen. bought all of it. Like or accidentally. Like that's not they'd be like, Did you buy all that? Like it was an accident. And I believed it with my spirit, my soul, and cells in my body. But you can't get mad at me if it was an accident. So uh, long yeah. story short, we all have the capacity to be doing toxic things with each other. Where we don't live in a healed world yet. Yeah. Like if you're a human on earth, we're working with a few different energies and dimensions. Like we all have the capacity. So just being aware when we're looking at these lists or, or listening to these conversations of like, not just am I looking to point the finger at other people that are doing this, but like, where am I also doing this? Because it's like, mm-hmm. damn, that takes, that's uncomfortable. That takes some like reckoning with yourself. I mean, I've seen that in myself for sure. Some of those things. And it's just like, ugh, <laughs> like throw up my God. Right. Yeah. And I don't mean to, I don't want to like end it on a sad note or anything, but truly like when we look at the statistics of sexual assault and it's like one in three women has been sexually assaulted. I forget who it was, but I was talking to a man recently and he was like, and where are the rapists? Like how many conversations have I had with my friends who have assaulted women? And it's like, crickets no one i've never talked to a man that has fessed up to that because it's like yeah i don't know you know what i'm saying it's just like we do have to look at our own stuff and realize that there's a lot of programming and conditioning that has led us to these places and it doesn't mean you're a terrible or irredeemable person it just means we're in these structures where we've been asleep for a really long time and we're waking up and it's an opportunity to learn and grow and to actually have really difficult, honest conversations with yourself, with your partner, 
with people in your life to be like, so many of us are fessing up to being abused. Now who's going to fess up and be like, and this is when I've been abusive or when I've done wrong. And I have had those reckonings in myself too, like even in these little argument style ways, but it can be significant. It can really tear someone down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it can, it can, it requires us being willing to let go of our self-concept as like, you know, perfectly godly people that like are innocent and little angels and like, no, I, it's other people that do this, but okay, no, actually mm, do some of these things. So, and also yeah. really believing that we are not love is, will not be taken away from us if we are imperfect. I think so many of us mm. just want to hold on to the love that we have and we're afraid to admit that any part of us is broken because maybe that love will be taken away. And it's mm. as long as we, we ourselves just never abandon ourselves, you know, that's number one. The love and you will remain. It's fine. Listen, you got a free pass. If you're a human, just know you're going to fuck up. That's, it is what it is. That's what's happening here. <laughs> and you are a, an extremely, insanely, beautifully lovable specimen. You know, we're here to heal ourselves, heal together, take radical responsibility for ourselves, and also keep our eyes open as much as we can to the surroundings and the environment that we're in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. These are all really hard lessons to learn. I mean, I'm on a journey of self-love and I'm just at the beginning of it, I think. I've got a lot of work to do. Oh my God. I'm always like, oh, I feel like I've come so far. And then there's other days where it's like, <laughs> God damn it. I, <laughs> I, thought, I was like, I think I'm beginning my spiritual awakening. And I'm like, this damn spiritual awakening has been happening for 15 years. <laughs> like, 100%. That's mm -hmm. why, you know, these communities that we have, Brenda, your community, God is gray. And our community, it's... This is what it's all about, right? As we're on this journey, we can all help each other and keep each other in check and really bring light to the parts of us that we're scared to look at in a really loving way together. None of us have to do this alone. We're not meant to do this alone. We were never meant to do this alone. We're here mm -hmm. as a community together. Yeah. Beautiful. Absolutely true. Mm -hmm. And before we close out, Brenda, we always ask, I don't know if you remember from our last podcast. I don't remember this question. I remember I struggled with it last time. <laughs> prepare to struggle again. No. Um, what does mental health mean to you? Where oh, you're this at is right so now. great. <laughs> yeah, this is great. Because last time you asked me this, I was like, I don't even like I didn't know I had any mental health issues or I never thought about it because it was categorized as like other or like it or like you're talking about the spectrum, Paula, like it is on a spectrum. You don't have to be like in a padded cell knocking your head against a wall to struggle with a mental health issue every day. I I think I mean, everything does lead back to love. Like you were saying, Valentina, like I really I don't like categorizing myself, I guess, as having a particular thing. Like I do experience a lot of anxiety. I experience depression, but I also experience waves of immense joy and, and assuredness. And then they can all be in unison at the same time and they can ebb and flow even according to the weather. I'm really seasonally challenged with things like summer is my prime time to shine. Like I love being in warm weather. And then if it's raining for a couple of days, I'll be struggling. So I just always keep going back to my practice of mantras that are that are ones that I've like created in my in my space of my faith practice that really resonate with me. And I I love 
how challenging they are because I realize saying certain things like I fully and wholly love myself or I know that there's there's nothing in the past or the future that can hurt me because everything is for my own divine good. They're worded more beautifully than that, but those are the essential ones. Like when I read those, I observe in my body and in my intellect how much I don't believe them. Like saying ones like I am loved beyond measure and my whole body is like, nah, bitch. (laughs) And then I have to be like, just observing it and being like, wow, my mind, my body, my heart do not believe that statement that I just made, but I want to say this statement until I believe it with every ounce of my being because I know a belief in these universal truths that are so crucial to every ounce of ourselves and to the life that I want to create spiritually, mentally, just holistically as my a whole person myself, my friendships, everything. I, I have to believe those statements, but I also think it's just, it's an ebb and flow thing as well. I think one day I'll believe it wholeheartedly and then maybe I'll get knocked off of it for a second and that's okay. It's the journey. I don't know if that answers the question, but that's my answer. It does. It really <laughs> ties back to what we say in the intro of this is we're here to normalize being human. That's that all mm. those are parts of being human, not just because we have the darker days. It doesn't mean that we're off track. And just because we have the more amazing days, it doesn't mean that the darker ones are around the corner or that now we're on top of the world. It's all of this, the dark, the the light, all of it is just on the path of being human. And, and how much, like you said, can we just observe and be with what is so we can not create resistance within ourselves and slowly inch more towards the just being love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for being on the podcast with us, Brenda. <laughs> I'm so Thanks excited to me. release this. This was a bomb conversation. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it really was. Okay, good. I'm glad. I'm so glad to to share it and to to play with all of these ideas with both of you in particular cuz your both your perspectives are so valuable from like a clinical point of view and from like the heart body chakra mind point of view or I don't know how you would describe spiritual. it. Spiritual. That's how I'm describing <laughs> it. Spiritual, fine. Spiritual point of view, intellectual point of view and and then from a real life experience. I really hope and pray that that is beneficial to somebody listening because I want everyone to thrive. And yeah, thank you so much for having me. I love you both so much. We love Aww, you. We Where love can you. everyone find you? Where can everyone find on her knees? Is it on her knees or on your knees? On her knees. On her knees. Please, yeah. Please do buy that book. I want it to be more successful. Um, it's doing really well, but in this very niche space because it's it's with a Christian publishing house, but it's definitely, you know, all about purity culture and embodiment and mental health struggles and abuse and sexual assaults and sexual pleasure, all of it. Um, A lot of universal concepts that I hope will stretch beyond just my own religion. So that's on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. I have my Instagram at God is gray, G-R-E-Y. TikTok I'm trying to build up under the same name. Um, And then, yeah, that's it. YouTube. (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh. I also have this little thing on YouTube happening. <laughs> I was like, I knew I'm like, there's something. Oh my like Brenda, you got a whole crew <laughs> on YouTube. What are you talking about? That's how humble she is. She forgot. I'm also yeah, I'm just it's my humility. That's what it was. <laughs> um <laughs> 
God is Gray on YouTube, youtube.com slash God is Gray. Cool. We'll link everything down below as well as the original <laughs> video that sparked this whole conversation. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Abortion. All right. Not an easy thing. No. <laughs> Thank you so much, Brenda. We'll talk to you All soon right, again. You, hopefully. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in with us, fam. We are so excited to have shared that amazing, amazing conversation that we had with Brenda with you all. We love you guys. Los queremos mucho. Los queremos mucho. Thank you so much for being part of this community. We are going to link everything that we mentioned in the episode down below. So make sure to go check out Brenda's community. She has so much amazing content on her, all her channels and now on her book. So make sure to dive into that. Be kind to yourselves out there. Be kind to yourselves. Tune in with us on Mondays at 6 a.m. EST. We love you. Peace out. Bye.